Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. John Grace and Daniel Medina here with Fiscal Fitness on Voice America. So happy you spent some time with us today as we like looking at things in terms of the big picture around the market and how that works for you. Uh, last week, we uh, left off with talking about how we can install greater certainty, particularly in our retirement planning. You know, there, we'll, we'll be talking about some of the uncertainty and you're, you're seeing just a lot of information just being dashed across every television screen on so many different subjects it becomes really challenging to get a sense for what am I doing and why? And we want you to know exactly what you're doing and why. And, and by the way, we want you to see exactly how you're doing relative to whatever you might measure against, like the S&P 500, okay, or your temperature, for example. So we want to put you in a position, have you be in a position where you can look at the market, do whatever it does, but you look at your situation and recognize that you're not just surviving, you are thriving. What can you do so that you can see that let the market go down like the Titanic, but it doesn't mean that you can't tell your own story and the market might do whatever it does, but it doesn't mean it has to take your money with it, okay? So let's uh, uh, start with our, our, our agenda for today. We'll be looking at uh, what will your 401k provide in the way of income? That's a great question. And some of the changes to 401k plans. Then we'll look at taxes. This is a good time to look at taxes. Uh, what's happening in 2021 versus 2020? There are some changes in your rates. So what does that mean as far as your taxes are concerned? And then we really want to uh, get even deeper in terms of uh, there's some good sources like Bank of America that's suggesting that the market is going to drop by the three R's. We'll explain what those are, but the question becomes, are you ready? And again, see that falls right in line with the work that Daniel Medina and I love to do on behalf of our clients and, and you, our listeners, and that is how can you see that you're going to be okay? Not just believe it, not just take hope as a strategy, because I think we can all agree hope is not a strategy. But how can we make sure that um, life as we know it has some consistency to it so that, as I say, we can let the news happen, the events of the day happen, but you can smile and have a nice day because you can see that whatever those events, how terrible they might be, aren't affecting you in the same way. And in fact, you might be better positioned than most to catch the next wave. So instead of hoping for uh, prices for whatever you own to get back to where they were after they've just been crushed and your assets have been handed to you, how might you be able to limit your losses, build up cash, and then be positioned when prices come your way, follow your lap, so to speak, you can take advantage of those lower prices in that domain and catch the next wave. That's what it's all about as far as we're concerned. 
so that you could survive and thrive. It wasn't as bad. I could tell my own story, but guess what? I'm not done here. Uh, we're far from finished, and I can catch the next wave and enjoy a new high in a different area. So looking at, uh, you know, with the typical news interviews, they're talking about what the Dow did by the nanosecond, which makes it very difficult to get any sense for what that uh, trend line might be, or to see is there things like uh, a lot of volume or, or less volume, or are we seeing um, some companies lead the pack, but the other countries not participating? Those are questions that we like to make sure we, we get answers to, helps us better read what the economy is doing in general and the, and the stock market is doing in particular. And let me repeat myself that as far as 2020 is concerned, it was a, a banner year, a bull market for stocks, but a bear market for humans. And I'm not sure uh, with this coronavirus that it's done with us yet. So it may be another bear market for humans and maybe a bull market for stocks. But as I say, we wanna make sure that you're, you're doing just fine. Uh, so when we look at the Dow, year to date, and that means from January 1, 2021 through today, and you know, we'll be closing um, in just about an hour, less than an hour, the Dow is up 4.93%. And that's a, that's a very nice beginning to the beginning of the year for the, the Dow Jones 30. The S&P, which is probably a better barometer of the overall stock market because it has 500 different stocks to it as opposed to the Dow 30. By the way, the Dow 30 started with 10 stocks. So with the S&P 500 index, we see that we're year to date exactly at 4%. And then when we look at NASDAQ, it's continuing uh, what it was doing last year and what is what it has been doing for a period of time now. It's, um, it's up about 8 uh, 8.4% so far this year. Again, 1121 through today. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. We'll be talking about this in greater detail. Do notice the difference between 4.93 on the Dow and 8.4 on uh, NASDAQ. That's, of course, tech stocks. And tech stocks have had a magnificent span, a great run. We'll see if it continues. But as I say, we want to be prepared for the good the bad and the unforeseen. So, Daniel, we were talking last week about ways to put more certainty in the experience of investors. We talked about Social Security. Uh, we talked about um, looking at uh, uh, guaranteed income. Why don't we summarize? Let me ask you to summarize what we were talking about. Then let's, let's bridge into what are some of the 401k changes that we're seeing. So we started talking about guaranteed income sources and retirement. And the first one, which is for the most part going away is pension income. If you work for a company that had a pension, you were guaranteed some sort of income after you retired that would last for the balance of your life. It's typically tied to your age, your years of service and your income level. The second, the second guaranteed source of income was Social Security. Very similar. It's tied to to how, how much how much you earn and how uh, how old you are when you actually claim Social Security. It early Social Security is at sixty two. Normal Social Security is sixty six or sixty seven, depending on when you were born. And uh, full Social Security is seventy or seventy one, depending on when you were born. And the longer you wait, the more guaranteed income you will have. Max is out at 70 so, or 70 or 71, so there's no reason to take it after that. 
The other, the last piece is is essentially a, a private pension. It's annuity income, and insurance companies uh, have something called annuities that will guarantee the source, guarantee you an income based on your typically your age and how much money you put into the annuity contract. And the annuity company says they will they will provide an income stream for as long as your life or yours and your spouse's life, depending on what kind what uh, income options you choose. And uh, so long as the insurance company holds their end of the bargain, you will get income for the rest of your life. Well, and let's uh, make sure folks that you do something regularly, like no less than once a year. And that's regarding social security, visiting SSA, social security, SSA administration.gov, G-O-V. So again, it's SSA.gov. Very, very, very simple. And you'll be asked some questions to verify that you are you uh, to look at uh, what kind of benefits you might uh, derive from Social Security. But the real message here is that you want to make sure the Social Security is giving you all the credit that you have earned from the income that you have made. And if you let them fall asleep at the switch and not account for the income, it's going to be represented in your balance in terms of what you're going to receive from Social Security. So that's one of the things that you need to do, uh, and as I say, once you kind of uh, verify yourself, it's easy to go back and check it once a year, but you can also see what that does to the calculations for, uh, as far as uh, starting income immediately as opposed to waiting. I, uh, I, every year you do, there's an 8% increase. It's, it's one of those things that's good to know. That benefit uh, does stop at the age of 70 or 71, uh, but it is something to, to look at as opposed to just uh, uh, focusing on how soon can I get how much? Let me take it right now. <laughs> I like to say it this way, Daniel. I like to say it this way that, you know, if you don't think longevity is on your side uh, or you have no other income, yep, start it as soon as you possibly can, Social Security. But if you have uh, longevity on your side and maybe you're more optimistic or you're going to continue to work or you have other sources of income, it's nice to see a, an 8% increase to your benefit. That doesn't happen anyplace else. Uh, each year that you delay starting Social Security up until age 70. So for those who think they have longevity on their side or income or, you know, uh, sources or they're going to continue working, you might want to delay starting Social Security. Uh, And again, there's no value in delaying it past age 70 or 71. But we see that 80%, this is from MarketWatch, of older Americans can't afford to retire. And unfortunately, this COVID-19, which as I've said, is a disaster of epic proportions certainly isn't happening. It's not being helpful, okay? So what do you see here, Daniel, in terms of some of the changes that um, 401k providers are now making available to employees? So what 401k providers or plan administrators are gonna have to start doing is provide income um, options for their participants. And this will be annuity options that they can take directly from the 401k and will provide an income stream for the rest of their life. So similar to what we just talked about as a pension or or social security, this will be a guaranteed source of income and the 401k administrator will provide, it looks like they'll be providing two different quotes. One will be a single life annuity, one will be a joint life annuity if you're married. The difference is a single life annuity will only last for the participants or the person who actually holds the 401k's life. So if you're if you retire at 67, you start your income and you die at 70, then the income stops. 
a joint life annuity will last for your, the participant's life and their spouse's life, whichever lasts longer. So if you, same scenario, you're married, you take your, you, you retire at 67, you start income and you die at 70, but your wife is, or your spouse is still around, then you'll still continue to receive income until the second per person passes away. Big distinction in the in, in how the illustrations are quoted, and it's it's one of those things that it's it's what what most people do is they get a couple different quotes for annuity payments, and they look at the the highest income level and say that's the one I want, without actually understanding the difference between it. But if you're if you're married and you're counting on this income, you need to have the conversation with your spouse on if they'll need the income too. Because if they do, you need to have, make sure it's covered for both lives. Now, a single life annuity income stream is always going to be higher than a joint life income stream. The reason is it has to provide for two lives. And the insurance company knows that if you put two people together, one's going to live longer than the other. So they're going to be on the hook for a, for a longer period of time and more income. So very important to look at, look at your, your situation and which, which you actually need. Um, very important, the, the illustrations will assume income starts at 67 and will be 100% of your 401k balance. So if you have $100,000 $100, in your 401k and you're, you take the annuity option, what you're doing is you're, you're taking the balance of your 401k, you're giving it to the insurance company, that money is no longer yours, and in exchange, they're giving you an income stream. Not a horrible option but it takes away all your other options. So you no longer can, can access that balance. You can't take out a one-time distribution of, of $1,000 if you need it. You're essentially giving them, you're trading your balance for income. So that's not, it's, it's you know, in America, we, we, there are a lot of things that are really kind of complicated and we try to simplify the heck out of them if we're looking for one easy answer as opposed to the best answer. And there's no right or wrong way to do this. It's just, it's just a, another arrow in your quiver, if you will, in terms of an option with your 401k account. And, and I like to find simple ways of looking at things. We Americans spend so much time planning weddings, planning vacations. We get into the details, right? But then we want to make financial planning so complicated. And by contrast, when we're, when we're planning a wedding, how much time did you spend figuring out how you wanted each napkin folded? Okay. It, it was very important. Is it ever important again? No. But I'm just trying to say, if we could spend the time looking at how to fold a napkin to have the best impression for our guests, we can spend the time to figure out how to have a decent uh, retirement after the last day that, that we work. And it's interesting that we've always seen people who have done well have really maxed out, made a lot of simplicity out of making sure they put a whole lot of money in their 401k as opposed to waiting for an inheritance that may or may not ever appear. But only 32% of Americans are investing in one, according to uh, personal capital. Uh, and this is from the U.S. Census Bureau as of 2017. Now, that's a staggering number given the number of employees who have access to a 401k are 59% of Americans. So a lot of us have access. Most of us aren't participating. And it, it makes sense to um, not just participate, but to figure out what, what you're trying to do here. I mean, Daniel, I, my son sent me, uh, Matt sent me something that was uh, kind of interesting in terms of simplifying things that says all you have to do is take 
your uh, retirement income and multiply times a factor of 25, and that tells you what kind of nest egg you need to have. Now, what's it, it, that's not the, the good news is that's easy. Uh, 100 times 25 is 2.5. With a 4% withdrawal, using that as our modest re- withdrawal rate, that's $100,000. What's the problem with sticking with doing the math that simplistically, Daniel? Uh, the well, one of the challenges is it doesn't it doesn't really assume it can't it, it doesn't really look forward after that. So it's a factor of twenty five is a basic rule of thumb, and the the way they come up with a factor of twenty five is if a four percent income stream. So if we're taking out four percent of your in of your of your asset value, so if you have two point five million dollars and you're taking out four percent, that's a hundred thousand dollars per year. Um, the challenge is you're not looking at longevity and you're not, you're not, it's not enough planning, I guess, is the biggest well, problem. Yeah, you're not accounting for inflation. As I say, we look for a very easy answer. Oh, 2.5, that's the tool. That's the goal. Yeah, in 2021 dollars. <laughs> now, if this is 2031 or 2041, we all know $100,000 then won't buy what $100,000 buys now. So the 2.5 is, is maybe a starting balance, but if you're gonna start there, you need to take into account inflation and your time frame and adjust the number accordingly and then see that I, I, maybe it's 3.0 just to make up a number. Now the question becomes with my current account balance and let's suppose a 7% return, what contribution do we need to make so that we can put in enough money, get the kind of returns we're expecting or make adjustments if those returns don't happen to see that we're on track. So we, we, as I say, spend a lot of time planning vacations. We know exactly which airport to get to, to depart from. We know what time we're expected to depart. We know what time we're supposed to arrive at the correct airport. So we can put the metrics in place to see how to get from point A to point B. And let's recognize the pilot has the job of dealing with the birds and the winds and the headwinds and all these details that could absolutely alter our entire experience as a, you know, as a, so that we don't arrive so on time or not so safely. So we see account balances up. Uh, this is from uh, Fidelity that the average 401k balance for 65 year olds is 192,000, The median for the same age group at 58,000. Uh, $35. Clearly, that's, that's, that's a fair amount of money, but it's clearly not enough, typically, for those who are going to try and retire at 65 or shortly thereafter. And that's the whole challenge here, that Americans have uh, just not taken the time to really make sure that uh, they, they can see exactly what it is they're trying to do to be able to retire after their last paycheck. So we'll pick up with more. We've got a lot more for you. Please stand by. We'll have a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. 
So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YB4.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grayson, Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness on Voice America. Uh, we have uh, some more information for you, so we're glad that you've, uh, you, you've, you've hung in there because we have uh, other things to cover. Kind of, uh, this is maybe a bridge, if you will, between uh, talking about the 401k uh, in terms of some of the investment options. That now we're going to look at taxes. But let's look real quickly at uh, the amount of uh, contribution levels in, in 2021, both for uh, what, what the catch-up provision is and I think the, the amount that the, the maximum contribution level has remained the same. Can you give us those numbers, Daniel? Yeah, for 2021, the, the 401k max is 19500 And if you're over 50, if you're age 50 or over, you have a catch-up contribution of an additional $6,500. That's some serious coin uh, that you could do uh, for 2020 as well as 2021 to help you get to that, whatever that target might be. But you need to see the target as opposed to throwing darts in the dark, okay? So, Daniel, let's talk about uh, tax brackets. It's uh, February. We're all getting ready to file for 2020, and here we are. It's 2021. Apparently, there have been some changes uh, to the tax brackets. Uh, Well, is that going to raise everybody's rates? It's not going to raise everybody's rates, but the the brackets are a little a little bit higher, a little bit wider than they were before. So um, the 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 first bracket was one up to nineteen thousand eight hundred. Now it's at nineteen thousand. I'm sorry, nineteen thousand seven fifty. Now it's at nineteen thousand nine hundred. And each bracket has gotten a little bit wider. So you, if you were making the same money in twenty twenty one that you were making in twenty twenty, and you were just at the cusp of the next bracket, you're going to be in the same. You're going to be in that lower bracket for twenty twenty one. So it might save you a little bit of money. So that might mean that uh, in twenty twenty one it will take more income to become subject to each of the six higher tax brackets. That's generally good news for for taxpayers and investors, yes? 
Yes, it is. Yes, it is. No, we don't. We don't like paying taxes. So that's always any way we can save a little bit of tax dollars is a good thing. Well, you know, it's interesting. We don't like say, uh, paying taxes and that has been passed on for, I don't know, all of our generations, right? And then we were, uh, Daniel and I was on a show recently where we were looking at the happy uh, index. And to, in other words, how, uh, pe- how people in different countries think about how happy they are. And, and it was fascinating to look at the Nordic countries being at the top of the list. I think we were 18 out of the top 20. Uh, not as far up as I thought we might have been, but it, it, it's it's a comparison to those who, guess what, pay more taxes in these countries feel like they're getting something for their money. Imagine that. So they're not, uh, and in fact, when it comes to minimum wage, they want the servers and the, uh, the you know, people on a lower threshold, if you will, to, to make good money because they want everybody to share in the money. So they look at it as though, yes, I recognize we pay more taxes. And guess what? We're delighted. We're actually pleased to do so because when we want to go to uh, one of the national parks, we can get there by bus for free. We can use the subway for free. We can get to the park and get in with everybody at our party without having to pay uh, a tariff to get each person in. It doesn't feel like we went to Disneyland where we had to hawk the house just to spend a day at Disneyland. So it's a it's an interesting arrangement from the standpoint of how we've been taught to uh, pay the least amount of taxes we possibly can. Like we're going to do something with the money, for example, save it, which is what we don't do. We just spend, baby, spend. When other countries have gotten to the place where they're like, we're, we're, we're just as happy to pay more tax because we think we're getting, you know, good health care. We're not paying for it. It doesn't matter how rich you are or poor you are. You, you're going to get health care. Our kids get educated at very low cost or free. Uh, and as I say, their summary is we, we feel like we're our, our roads are paved, right? The highways work. <laughs> the public transportation works. It's clean. It's safe. It's a, a very different experience speaking to some of these folks in other countries where they're looking at um, paying the lowest taxes. We think that's uh, we really think that's a stupid idea because then you have to pay for what you want to do in cash. <laughs> have, have you seen any any uh, any feedback on that on that note, Daniel? Yeah, it's pretty consistent. The, the the countries that are paying higher taxes tend to be happier, and I think I think you nailed it. There's just more ben- there's more services provided by the government, or they they feel like they're be- they're better taken care of. And if you look at our our systems here in the United States, everything is just kind of antiquated and old. They were all developed back in the 1800s and never changed. Like uh, the way we file taxes, as, as an example. Yes. In other countries, what they do is they the government gets all the information, they file your return for you and they send it to you and say, this is what you owe us or this is what we're sending you back. Here, what we do is the, the taxpayer gathers all their information, puts together their estimate, then sends it to the IRS and then the IRS does their own calculation and then they compare. Well, if you're already doing the work, why am I doing the work? <laughs> and, and then we argue in an audit and what some of these countries do, it's, it's in 10 minutes. The job's done. This is how much you made. This is how much you owe. Any questions? You don't have a whole industry, with all respect to our our friends at the accountant, uh, you know, the CPAs of the world. We don't have a whole industry built around, I. you have to make sure I pay the lowest taxes and I have to pay you $400 an hour to make sure I pay the lowest taxes. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's the challenge. There's there's so many indus- there's industry built up around the way the system is. So if, if you made the if you made a change like that, 
you'd, you'd have to redevelop the whole industry and you might get rid of a big part of the industry, which would be challenging to a lot of people. 100%. Yeah, to a whole industry, a whole lot of people. And I'm sure they'll be very noisy about that, right? Uh, so let's, uh, in terms of paying attention, let's, let's talk about uh, tax brackets versus the marginal tax rate. We, we see so many people say, well, I'm in a 30% tax bracket. Now, by the way, let, let's pause for a moment, because if you were around in the early 80s when Reagan was in office, do you have any recollection of what, if you're, you, and you were married, and let's say you and your spouse were making about $200,000 a year in the early 80s, what was your federal tax bracket? It's fascinating to me. I love asking clients these questions when they're complaining about taxes because nobody remembers the good old days when tax rates at the federal level alone were 70%. That's right, 70%. That's not in the history books. That's in your memory bank. So let's just notice that's where we have been. And if we want to look a little bit back further, if I'm not mistaken, around World War II, the federal tax bracket was north of 90%. So that might be in the history books, but not that far back. So let's recognize that no matter what you might complain to be your tax bracket, I have to imagine that you prefer this level as opposed to either of those levels. And of course, those were whole huge dollars at that particular time. But still, it's hard to recall that we were at a 70% tax bracket when interest rates on money market accounts were 15, 16%. <laughs> Nobody, everybody remembers those good old days, but they don't remember that inflation was 12 and, and taxes were 70. Actually, we were upside down about 4.5% per year during those good old days where we only remember the good information and not the reality. So Daniel, speak to this please in terms of how we get um, immersed in, I'm in a a tax bracket of 30%, but that's probably not true, is it? No, it's not. But just putting things you said about being upside down, it's, it's it's interesting that no matter the tax environment, you're always upside down on cash because your interest rates are never really going to be high as high as inflation. So you're always upside down in class in cash, whether you're getting 12% interest or like today, you're not getting any interest. So no cash, interest. Yeah. it's one of those funny things about cash. If you're going to keep a lot of money in cash, which we tend to see, I think more and more people are keeping more cash uh, for various reasons. But if you're going to keep a lot of cash, know what your opportunity cost is and what you're really, what you're really losing on your spending power. Well, and to your note, we'll come back to this question about the marginal, but, you know, it's like uh, people are looking at the market going, I don't want to lose. And I, let's see, if you have money in an interest-bearing account, what are you, what's your return after taxes and after inflation? It's a loss. In fact, it's a guaranteed loss. And in fact, you, you will never recover. That's just the math. It's a slow death. So what we want to do is make sure you understand how the rules are uh, designed who are the referees and how could you play to your advantage so that maybe you have a, a slight net of a gain, but a guaranteed loss every year, certainly, as I say, you cannot make this up with volume. It's just the level looks like it's going up because you're looking at the bank statement, but you don't look to see that you have to add in this interest income. You're not looking at the, the, the real or imagined inflation rate, but it, every year, no matter what that rate was, again, back in the early 80s, after inflation and taxes, we were, we were upside down. It hasn't gotten any better than that. So, Daniel, explain this, this marginal tax rate. How does that work? 
So this is this is always an interesting conversation because people always want to complain about what tax the tax bracket they're in, but nobody really knows what their effective tax rate is or how much they're actually paying in taxes. So this is looking at a married couple. Um, let's say you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year as a married couple, fifty thousand each. However you cut it up, your tax bracket would be twenty. Your highest tax bracket would be twenty two percent, based on twenty twenty ones. Um, tax tax brackets. Now, the you're not actually paying taxes of 22% on the $100,000 because your income is tiered. The first 19,900 is at 10%. Then the next 60,000 or so is at 12%. And then the balance, the rest of your income is at 22%. So the way you actually figure what your effective tax bracket is, is you have to break down the different tiers and the different income levels. So as an example, for that first tier, for the first $20,000 to round, round up, you're paying 1,900 bucks in taxes. So for a married couple making 100,000 a year, on the federal level, you're paying but $13,500 in taxes or 13.5%. So your effective tax bracket is 13.5%. Effective, but the top bracket for the couple? 22. 22. That's what we remember. What we need to look to see is what the real costs are, right? If it were 30, you'd want to know that, but it's substantially less than what you thought. And just to make it simple, as simple as we can, because again, uh, these United States of America has a, a, a longstanding arcane way of trying to, you know, have people do their taxes. It's so complicated. And, and that's why we just kind of take the top number. But uh, to summarize, I would think it's safe to say the marginal tax rate refers to the way your income is taxed in layers. Think of it that way. So each bracket or layer of your income elicits a tax bill. So you're not starting at the top, you're starting at the bottom. And as you go through each layer, that second, third, fourth layer, it, that amount is being taxed at that higher rate, not the entire amount. Is that a fair way to put it, Daniel? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, it, it's it's interesting if, if we go from $100,000 income to $150,000 in income, we go from 13% to 16.3%. Okay. So the more money you make, the higher your, your effective tax bracket will, will be because now you're paying higher taxes at a, a, a larger chunk of money at a higher higher tax rate. But 16%, that's not going to kill anybody. I mean, Still lower than the 22 well, and, and here's the other part, folks, that the truth is, and we've been saying this for years, and we've been wrong for years, tax rates have to go up. Now, everybody cheers when they go down. The market loves it when the, mar when the tax rates go down. But if you're trying to run a government, you need tax dollars, particularly if you're trying to run a government in the throes of something called this uh, COVID-19 thing that disaster of epic proportions that's clearly not done with us. The, uh, the whole, you know, so we, we have to figure out what, what, what does this mean and, and, and how can I make sense of out of all of this? And, and maybe there are ways to simplify it as opposed to what we're so good at, which is complicating everything and coming up with one simple answer, which might make you feel better, but it's not the correct answer. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, capital gains. What's happening? Uh, anything happening with the federal tax brackets for capital gains 2021? Yeah. <clears throat> so those folks are uh, gain on assets you owned for a year or less, and it's called short-term capital gains. Uh, they're taxed as uh, ordinary income. 
So that's 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 what you want to know about. Uh, I, I don't think there've been any 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 changes to the rates. The rates are staying the same. The yeah. the brackets are extended a little bit as well. Okay. So for up to if you're married, if you're married, filed filing jointly, and your income's under eighty thousand eight hundred, your your capital gains rate is zero percent. From eighty thousand right. to five hundred thousand, your capital gains is fifteen percent. And so, long-term capital gains are assets you own more than a year before selling. Cor- correct. Short-term capital gains would apply at your normal income tax brackets. So, okay. if you buy, if you buy, say Apple stock today and sell it next week for a gain of a thousand dollars, that would be a sh- that would be considered a short-term capital gain, and the in the increase that you had, the thousand dollars that you made, would all be considered income in in the year that you sold it. So if you're in a 22% tax bracket, that's what your tax. It's just additional income for the year. You're likely paying tax on 22% on that. So when we say additional income, we're saying that this is uh, income like interest, for example, that you add to your earned income. Yeah, it's like, it's like you got a bonus at work of $1,000. There we go. From a, from a, tax, from a tax perspective, at least. Now, if you, if, if you held that stock position for more than a year, right. now it's considered a long-term capital gain and you're paying you're paying the long-term capital gains rate, which is zero up to 80,000 and 15% between 80 and 500,000. That's not bad. And I think it gets as high as uh, 20%, if I'm not mistaken, depending on how big your, your profit might be. But zero, 15 or 20, again, that's not going to um, mess up your day. You can still have a nice day and, and keep the difference. And by the way, these are, you know, whatever we complain about these tax rates, again, folks, we're not paying ourselves first. And that should be probably 10, 15, 20% of what we're earning. And, and that should be the, the, the highest priority. And, and I love the statement, make America first, but I want to make you first. I want you to be first in making sure you're setting aside some level to make work optional at some point in time, hopefully on your time frame, without there having to have been some medical emergency on your life or a loved one where you have to stop working to take care of the loved one. All right, so um, real quickly, uh, we do have um, uh, something we're doing for uh, frontline workers and that's providing free financial planning services. So we're real, really pleased to do that to acknowledge and honor our, our essential workers who don't have the option of being able to work from home. With that, we're going to have a short break. Stay with us and we'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YBPoor.com or 805-495-2077. 
We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grace and Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness with Voice America. And let me say real quickly that uh, speaking of uh, kind of getting a handle of things, we've written a book. Uh, Making Finance Make Sense. It is available at Amazon uh, along with uh, eBay. Uh, it's only $15, $16 a, a book, and it's uh, about 100 pages, so you you won't go crazy trying to read this one. I, I designed it to be an entry level, so it's kind of like a beach entrance, if you will. We like to keep it simple, sweetheart. That's the kid's kiss principle. If you do send us a message, as we did get some this past week, that's how we came up with this outline, uh, that you'd like a copy of the book, I can send it to you as a gift, in the Kindle version, and that would be us having your email address with which we would share with Amazon, and Amazon would send you the link so that you can read the Kindle version of Making Finance Make Sense uh, at your at your convenience. So, love to make that available to you as you would like. All right, so now let's look at this real question because there are a lot of folks who are saying this is just the beginning. The stock market is going to go to the moon. And there are just as many people who are saying, this is just the beginning. The stock market is going to hell. So we like to look at both sides of the equation because we want you to go, I don't care. I'm going to be okay. That's that's a question. Don't. That's not a belief system. So don't swallow that hole. Do your homework. But this was from Bank of America last week. And what B of A suggests is that there are three alarm bells that they are ringing, that they call the three R's, which stand for rate, regulation, redistribution, that which they call are historic catalysts that end bull market and bubbles. Some of us believe that there are bubbles everywhere. And I think uh, no matter where you might be when you're seven years old on the planet, we all know that bubbles burst 100% of the time. And the bigger the bubble, the bigger the burst. So B of A is warning very clearly that a correction is looming. If uh, such uh, headwinds you know, take hold, this is the time to discover how investors can, can stay their course. And, and that's what's so important here. Uh, what they're talking about is that the, this might be a, a 5% gross domestic product growth, more than 20% profit growth around 3% inflation, and quote, visible signs of Wall Street excess speculation. By the way, uh, Warren Buffett is making the same kinds of noises 
in uh, what he's seeing that, uh, you know, that, that shows that things may be getting out of whack. Uh, it's, it's called the Buffett Indicator. That's what it's called in, in Wall Street circles. And that takes the Wilshire 5000 index, which is viewed as the total stock market, divides it by the annual U.S. gross domestic product, now at a record high, amid the latest climb to records of the broader market. So in doing the math, the Buffett indicator stands at about 194%. Now that's up markedly from 175% or so when applying third quarter GDP data. And this figure is well above the 159.2% seen just before the dot-com bubble, which of course we can never forget. So we've been having this conversation about how to build more certainty. And if you recall, we've been talking about making sure you see how Social Security is working for you because we think that's a, an important foundation. Then look to see your pension levels that you're expecting and make sure you understand, is this uh, single life only? What does my spouse receive in the event I were to go first? Okay, or is it I take it all with me? Uh, and then we, we touched on annuities. And, and let me just say this, that uh, th there are good annuities and there are bad ones. You're going to see uh, uh, some variety of annuities available in 401k accounts soon, but they're, they're not all bad and they're not all good. For some folks to see that they can put some money in a position where the market's going to impact it on, let's say, the left side, but let's say there's a guarantee of some rate of return on the right side, what you see is with the guarantee structure, the income is only going to go up. Now, you may at some point get to exchange the lump sum for that income, but uh, for those who are worried about declines and real bad things happening in the market, when they're seeing their accounts continuing to rise, and they know, as some of the annuities are constructed, that if the market value were to come to zero, there still might be some income flowing for life for both people. It's one of those things that, for, not for everybody, but for those who are worried about the worst case scenario, it, it kind of gives you a stopgap or you know the ability to see that no matter happens, if this insurance company survives and my account balance goes to zero, I will still have some income showing up for the rest of my life. So that would be uh, one of the things that we would say about uh, annuities. And, 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 and again, they're not all bad, they're not all good. It's like not all cars are bad, not all cars are good. You've got to get out there one way or the other, kick the tires virtually, but to really make a decision as to which ride you want to drive, okay? Uh, but Daniel, how, where do we go from here? Because a lot of people were looking at 401k accounts, and of course, that's all money that's liquid. And we saw accounts off, what, uh, some accounts that are more passive, or once you talk about the active ones, by contrast, markets off 37%, some accounts, investors off, uh, you know, dramatically more than that. So um, it, it just depends on, you know, making sure you see where your limits are. But, uh, you know, whatever the market might be doing, the question is, how might you keep your assets more intact? What, what do you say about that, Daniel? We, we've talked about this quite a few times, and it comes down to a personal risk um, level. So everyone has a different risk tolerance. And it's important for 
people to understand what their specific risk tolerance is. And it's funny when we talk about it conceptually with people, and then when they actually see a loss of their account of 20% or 30% or whatever it is, first quarter of last year, markets were down 35% in about a month. And people saw that on their account statements, and it became very real. So the hypothetical numbers didn't scare them. Actually losing that much money scared them. So it's, 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 it's actually really interesting to see that distinction. So people need to, to know what their personal risk tolerance is. And there, is, there are ways to kind of figure that out. And we have a calculator on our website. If you go to our website, www.ybpoor.com, in the left-hand quarter, you'll see a red button titled Avoid a fin- Financial Pandemic. That'll take you to our Riskalyze calculator, which will give you your personal risk score and your risk number from a dollar, from a dollar perspective on how much you're willing to risk in your portfolio. It's, it's a different way to look at risk which I think is more effective than what we did in the past, which is just ask you some, some questions and everyone comes out as a, as a moderate conservative investor. Yeah, that's important. And it is why the three words, just as they sound, no more complicated, okay? We try to make it simple. Y-W-H-Y-B-B-E, poor, P-O-O-R.com. I'm not sure if it's a question or more of a statement, but people seem to remember it, so we'd like to use it. I like so it we, as a statement. Well, okay, I'm fine with that. I'm, wow. I'm fine with that. Why would you choose to be poor? Hello. <laughs> I, don't vote, I don't vote for that. <laughs> now, something that's worrying me is this is actually a story that goes back to 1929. And this, is, this goes back to Joe Kennedy. And this is the shoeshine oh, yes. indicator. And the story goes that he, well, a lot of people don't know that where the Kennedys got their money was from Joe Kennedy making a whole lot of money in the stock market in the 20s. Not in the liquor market is what we've been led to believe, interestingly enough. It's the, it was the stock market. Yes. The, the way that he kept all that money was he got a tip for a stock from, his, from, the, from the guy that was shining his shoe. And the story goes that that was his way of knowing this market is way overvalued, better get out. And the story goes that he got out at a great time and he kept all that money that he made to the 20s. So... Today, it's similar. I think it's, it's starting to get similar. Um, when I have 20-year-old kids telling me what stocks they should be buying or what stocks look good to them or look, should, look good, should look good to me, it starts to get a little worrisome for me. And the last 10 years have been great in the stock market. You could pick any stock and you were going to make money. Yes, that's called throwing a dart in yes. the dark. And you feel good when it goes up and you don't feel so good when it goes down. And it's, it's easy to be a day trader or to buy stocks in an up market. When everything goes up, it's super easy. Go through a full cycle, full market cycle, and try and do that work and see if it holds. And that's why there's no professional day traders. They just don't, they just don't really exist because it's, it's so hard to do that through a full market cycle. So when there's so many people that are, that are, that are getting in and with, with little experience, if the market turns around, that could be a big catalyst for, for, a, for, for a pullback. So that's, that's what's worrying me at the moment. Well, and it should. And uh, I, mean, I was talking to some friends where they're talking about their children buying stocks, right? Because they're so cheap and showing dad how much money they made. But here's the point. Like Daniel was saying, so many times uh, we think it's, it, it's just critically important for you to see in advance 
not after it happens. How bad could it get? And you feel okay. That's an open-ended question. We can help you answer that question. But that's first and foremost, as opposed to, well, I'm conservative, moderate, aggressive. Those are terms none of us recognize. We don't really know what they mean. But then even if we had a definition, how do you, where's the accounting? What, where are the numbers, okay, for conservative, moderate, aggressive, the plus numbers and the minus numbers for each one? We don't have them. So let's not get lost in the weeds. Let's just go direct and help folks discover what kind of loss you think you live with. You can change your mind six months, six minutes, a year from now. In fact, we have one couple where they have three different ways of investing the money. The money for him, the money for her, and their money. All of them have three different parameters set for pluses and minuses. And now we have something to measure against, which we think is uh, so useful to help people recognize, how are you doing? I mean, we, we, we find people who will say, I want to be more aggressive. And then the market drops 35%. And then we go, how are you doing? They go, I lied. <laughs> I lied. Can, can we redo this? Yes, we can redo this. All right. So let's go over it again. Uh, and you can change your mind again. But it's that aha moment. It's, it, it, somehow we, we don't see the percentages. We don't understand 20% off. Okay. We don't really quite get that. But when we see I'm off $30,000 from $100,000, we get that. I only have $70,000 left. Yes, we understand that. <laughs> and now we want to make sure the hole doesn't keep getting any deeper. But if it's left in that same position, where does it stop? So we want you to see what kind of, if you think of it as an elevator, you know, the stocks like to take the stairs up and the elevator down, which floor do you want to get off of a 10-story building? What floor do you want to stop the action? Let the elevator keep going, but you're cool, calm, and collected, recognizing that I can continue on with my day. I may have a nice day, but it won't be a bad day because I don't know where the bottom is, but I'm not going there. That, that for us is, uh, is really what it's all about. And we're suggesting that folks take the time to really look at putting your game plan together. We, we all watched the Super Bowl, right? And that defense was so important. And how do they say it? Uh, you know, maybe the defense that offers a good offense. So how can your account become defensive? How can your money be moved to safety so that whatever the market does, if it's headed towards the, the bottom of the sea like the Titanic and never sees light at the end of the day, again, how can you make sure that you're still afloat and that you can enjoy your time here on this still green earth? Okay. Well, I think we're, that, that's what we had for you today, folks. Uh, Daniel Medina and John Grace, uh, enjoy being with you on uh, Fiscal Fitness here at uh, Voice America. We'll be right back here on Wednesday. So Wednesday at 12 to 1 Pacific time, we'll see you right back here just one week from today. Thank you for tuning to Fiscal Fitness. Please join John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an excellent week.